In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. gentlemen welcome back to the true life podcast we are here with a mentor a leader a builder and an amazing individual who's going out talking to the community and in my opinion i think he's changing the world we live in so let's talk to him a little bit gary corey it's a pleasure to see you back i'm so excited to talk to you for those who don't know you uh you can reach out to gary you can see him on instagram we're going to put all his stuff in the show notes but let's just get it started Gary, you've been you've been out on the political trail. You have been talking to the community. You have been not only talking to them, but more importantly, listening to the community. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Tell us a little bit about how the journey's going. George, good morning. Uh, <laughs> good to see you again. I, I know you're down with the bug, and good to see you back, smiling, cheerful as ever. I love that about you. Joy is a is a great uh, you know is a great aroma for a human being. So it's good to see you. Uh, you know the journey. You ask about the journey, what it means to run a political race, a campaign for the governorship of Hawaii. It's been a it's been a journey. And really, I just feel like we're just wading in. We're ankle deep and in the process of kind of understand what that means. But along the way, it's been an amazing uh, experience and really rooted in the conversations that you get to have with people, uh, learning about people's perspectives, uh, strategies, uh, really diving in and finding out what's working for people and not working for people. Really, it's about, it's about uh, gathering wisdom for the, pro- for the purpose of understanding. And once we understand, then we can actually make policy changes that benefit the very people uh, that we're just talking about, the, the citizens of Hawaii. And not only Hawaii, but we, we will be establishing you know, uh, benchmarks and, and uh, uh, principles for other, other states to, to look at and to uh, embrace. I, I believe that this is how it works. So it's been great. It's been great fun. Like I said, we're just getting started, but it's uh, exciting. It is exciting. You know, I've, I was following along on Instagram and I've noticed you doing some beach cleanups. I've noticed you at Punchbowl Memorial. And I really admire, Gary, that there's no, you have like this, it seems to me you have like a motor that's always going, you know, and I don't like you are out and about and you're listening to people and you are, you just have such a good vibe about you. What is it that really motivates you to get up every morning and do these things and have a plan and care enough about people to go out there and try to make a change? What, what do you attribute that motivation to? Uh, you know, George, honestly, four, four, 420 this morning, long before the sun rose, uh, I rose to be with the king of heaven. You want to know what brings me motivation? That's what brings me motivation. The fact that he loves me and he has plans for our lives. And that that part of part of life is, is is understanding his his goal, his desire, that his presence would be known in the lives of people, and so it it, it just removes all all the restraints, and it opens up nothing but possibility. So up until only twenty minutes ago, <laughs> this has been my morning, and it's an amazing experience, and one I would just encourage everybody to participate in. 
but going out and I think that I think that uh, you know, as I mentioned, even your joy is an invitation. Uh, that which lives on the inside come, uh, comes comes out out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, what you put in your heart, what you put in your mind, it, it, that's that's who you are in the community, and people are either drawn to it or not. And and I I'm hoping that this time that we have together, both on this call but in in life. Uh, it would create uh, beauty for people to live and to be free. So it sounds kind of lofty in my mind when I say it. So that's kind of lofty, but that's actually what I believe. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with lofty. In fact, I think that the world could use a little bit more lofty. Okay. You know, I. Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> yeah, it's um. When I when I think about our community, I think about. The, this is like a real melting pot here in Hawaii. There's so many different cultures and there's so many different kinds of ideas that are out and about. And you've really been hitting the ground hard. You've, you've been to different debates and you've been talking to different groups, socioeconomical backgrounds. Is there some similarities that, are, that all these groups are talking about? When you go there and you listen to what they have to say, what, what is it that you're getting from all these different communities that may, be, that may share the same, same vision? George, one of the things that I, I, I hear over and over again is uh, the revelation, the understanding of how government actually functions in Hawaii. M most people, including myself, prior to get involved in the campaign, lived on such assumptions. We, we presumed things that were that things were functioning a certain way and they were for our benefit and they were thoughtful, not realizing that rarely, rarely are the decisions made by government thoughtful. They, they're, they're not designed to actually, uh, to, to integrate policy with humanity. And it's the missing piece. People, people are across the board, people are groaning, but they don't actually just understand why they're groaning. They know that life is hard, but they can't put their finger on it. And so the process of just illuminating the way government functions and what's possible, creating hope for people, it is really been, it's been amazing to watch the expression of people, the hunger for more, for more, for more information. You know, people say information is power. I, I don't necessarily buy into that. That seems like a cliche to me. I think the application of information is, is makes change. People know what they need to do, but they must do what they know. And this is the difference between being free versus living free. The people in Hawaii, that people, I believe people around the globe honestly desire liberty. The, the, the actual application of liberty is, and, and the fruit of it is freedom. You know, uh, to think free, to, to not be constrained and be told how to live and what to think. You know, we used to have, we used to have an education process that taught people how to think. Now they're taught how to follow. This is a, this, this, the fruit of that is completely changing our society from people who are aware and taking responsibility for their lives to people who follow the lead of others. Those who offer a carrot and say, if you follow me, I'll give you this. But when, but then at some point that, that, that metaphor that way of relating comes up empty because humanity has only so much to offer and and liberty and freedom is a is a part of your very being and to exercise and to walk in that is really where hope and and freedom and purpose and passion have their core that's where they get that's the foundational piece and so i see i see and talking to people not often not not necessarily directly but between the lines in the lines, between the lines of their conversations, the longing to be free, to exercise self-government and to live in abundance. It, it is, it's universal. For the most part, it's universal. That's so well put. Like I, I couldn't agree anymore. It seems to me that when we're, when we are treated like, when, you, when, you're, not, when, you're, not, when you're not given the tools to learn how to think critically, then you don't know the path you're on isn't so much a path as it is a, a forced lineup. You know, hey, get behind me. And when you're when you're in the lineup, you're in the shadows and it's dark and you don't have the ability to understand where you're going is not where you want to go because you're just following the leader. It doesn't work. And so, yeah, I, I, I heard a story. I was talking to some people at my work about you and some of your policies and 
I was treated to an interesting story about the Liquor Commission and how the I was relating the story that you told me about the governor appoints everybody in powers of authority in the top positions. And I was rewarded with a story that says, you know, George, I, the guys that run the liquor committee, they've also set up the insurance company. So if you want to get a liquor license, you have to go through these people. They set up this little own little government within a government where you have to be part of the family in order to get the thing. And it's that type of corruptive nature that leads to the people being unhappy. And they don't understand why they're being unhappy because there's all these rules. They don't even know they have to follow. You can't even see the people you need to get the permits. You can't even see the people you need without knowing someone. And it does make me unhappy. It does make my wife unhappy. And I think it makes a lot of people in Hawaii unhappy. There's this unfairness, this inability to achieve even the smallest goals without knowing the right person. That that is the corruption I I think that you're hoping to tear down, at least for me, and I'm thankful for that. So thank you. Well, you know, I've been saying for a while uh, that what a society needs, what Hawaii needs is equal justice. And I, and I think when I say those terms, uh, I, I, I think about the court system and law and the, the adjudication of law and, and proper sentencing guidelines and attorney generals that actually, you know, you know, uh, tell the, the prosecuting office uh, what to prosecute. But that's not necessarily equal justice that you're referring to. Equal justice means equal access, that mm. people should have access to their government, period. There should be no hoops to jump through, no donuts to purchase, to get a talk, to get a conversation. <laughs> this is not equal justice. This is pay to play. And I, and I, told, I told my wife uh, last night uh, on our way home, from 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 sign waving of all things at Camp Shopping Center on Leaky Leaky Highway, uh, I said, you know, I just keep illuminating this stuff. Pretty soon, everybody's gonna hate me. I just like, wow, <laughs> who's gonna even entertain the idea? But you know what? It was no, <clears throat> no. The principle of equal justice and doing what is right is the absolute foundational piece for society's hopes and dreams. People lose hope for the future, right? They lose vision for the future and they cast off restraint. They just disappear and they fall into the malaise of atrophy. This is, this is the struggle that people in. They, they've lost hope in their government. They no longer see access. There is no equal justice. And, and they don't see anybody raising a red flag. They see everybody trying to, to, to make do with a little bit that's left over from those who are, who are actually benefiting from all these policies. And I'm not saying everybody's corrupt. Obviously, this is not true. There are numerous people who talk to me that are deeply entrenched in these uh, administrative pieces who, who are sick to their stomachs, who don't sleep, who live in anxiety, who live in unrest because their consciences are working. <clears throat> the conscience is saying, this is not right, but this is the form that I'm in. These people are longing for somebody to raise a standard to say, enough. These are the people who should be running these organizations, not those who are setting up these policies to benefit themselves. I just came up the other day in a political conversation, a bit of a digression. Why does Hawaii have such a late primary? Our primary is August 13th, only only a few months before the general election. This is not an accident. A primary comes into the candidate and uh, uh, somebody who's not already in office, you know, not an incumbent. They come in and they have to they have to get their entire campaign together and defeated a comp- incumbent in four months. I'm I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it is not an accident. So this strategy to maintain power and control to benefit uh, to have your hand out. If you want something, bring something. This is not right. So. Uh, people are in despair about that and longing for, uh, I've said before, this is about righteous leadership. What is right? And that's what people want. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that that's the main thing. People want to feel like they have a voice. People want to feel like the system they are in is just and that they can make a difference if they choose to be. And here in Hawaii, we've just seen, it seems to me the same way our nation is moving from crisis to crisis. So is Hawaii moving from crisis to crisis. We've got, you know, problems with the sheriff, problems with the sun, some guy getting radiation poisoning from changing a tire. You know, there's, 
There's just so much happening here and we never really get to see underneath the hood. We just hear these headlines and we never get any kind of clarification of what's happening. It's, it's kind of mind blowing. It is mind blowing. <laughs> I, I, I was just considering to myself yesterday, why does Hawaii lead in all these categories? Why do we have the highest homeless population per capita in the nation? Why does Hawaii have the highest taxes in the nation? Why does Hawaii have nearly the lowest proficiency tests in school education in the nation? Why are we in the lead in all these categories? One only has to look at the principles of government that are pushing these policies. You have to go back. You have to go back and say, where did this ball go out of bounds? And you have to go back there and you have to start addressing that. You have to bring, you have to terminate these policies. Leadership requires the leaders to stand. We, we can no longer keep saying, it'll be okay, it's okay. No, leadership actually requires somebody to identify that which is wrong and make it right. Yeah. And if that means people need, need to change, change their job, job description, then so be it. I mean, we, we serve, honestly, we serve a God of redemption who always extends the uh, uh, mercy and grace to those who will change. That's all, that's all that we want as a society. I don't think anybody out there, myself included, is, is righteous, really. No, none of us are. But, we, but, but what you know, you're responsible for. You can no longer know something and ignore what you know. And this, in a sense, may be the very reason why I'm running. Enough already. I know what is wrong. I know what's wrong in my own life. And I, it's an invitation for people to say, you know what? I'll stand with you in that change. And that's what I hope for. That's what we hope for. I think that's what you hope for, George. I, yeah. That's just my experience of you. Uh, that's what my wife hopes for. It's what my kids long for. And so, and they, they want this to happen in the private place. They want these changes to be, to happen on the inside, in the heart. So that that which is on the inside in your private home is the same person the same exact person who shows up in the public square, that there's no inconsistencies, that there's actual integrity. Doesn't mean that there's not need for change. There's always room for change, but they should be congruent. So we cannot have platitudes from government saying we're gonna fix things <laughs> and then go and behave completely differently. That's exactly what we have. We're gonna, get, we're gonna, we're gonna have transparency and then do, do everything behind a closed door. I, you, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just obvious. It's so blatant. Yeah. You could argue that that is the very thing that, you know, people, people are upset, but they don't know why. It's like they, deep down, they know they're being lied to, but on the face of it, they're being told these platitudes. Hey, we're doing this. No, you're not. You can clearly see it. You can see it in people when they say things that they don't follow through on. You can see it in people when they promise you things, but they don't follow through it on. And you can see it in the way the society is run when the leaders say things, but they don't mean them. And I, Gary, I, I love it. Like when you, when you, when you move through on your campaign, I think that you're showing people this. Like, I, I think that you are truly showing people say what you mean and follow through. And that message alone, if you, ch you've already changed me and my family, if you can continue to do that with people through the state of Hawaii. That's such a huge win, Gary. Like, I, I'm so proud of you and what you've got going on. Like, I, it's a huge win to go out every day and change the way people live with a message like that. And I, I hope any, everybody listening to this takes time to go to your site and, and listen to you and, and follow through and come out and wave signs and donate and be part of it because you have a great message that can change Hawaii. And you're doing that by being out on the trail every day. So thank you. <laughs> so kind <laughs> it's true it's true you should be um, campaign manager bro <laughs> no i actually have a very good one already you know we just started something new by the way we started okay. the zoom calls they can go to our website they can log on to a zoom we're having you know we're having two two zooms a week one is topical one's general we had a we had a zoom call last night the topic was uh the health of hawaii we had, a, we had a physician come on and tee it up simply because she has wisdom that I don't have. She illuminated things that only somebody who practices medicine would know. The ins and outs of the way medicine is funded, 
the way regulation is implemented, how it's almost impossible for a private practitioner to survive in the state. And so she just, we just said, wow, will you just, will you just come and talk to us for a few minutes? And she did. She just went through five points of, of things that people would not know unless you're a medical professional in the business, writing both sides of the check, understanding how to integrate work with insurance, with protocols, with preset payment schedules, with trying to serve a patient with his limited resources or, or, or counting on Medicare or Medicaid, understanding these elements. It, she just shared what was so, and then we just talked about it as a, as a, as a Zoom, on a Zoom. So there, we've been averaging, you know, anywhere from 50 to 150 people on these Zoom calls from all over. And uh, it's just another great opportunity to listen to what the people are saying and to speak the truth and to give people hope because the hope gives people, I mean, the truth gives people hope. So uh, I, I, I hope that people will do as you suggested, uh, George. I hope that, you know, when it comes time in the primary here in, a, in, a, in a, you know, eight weeks, that people go out and they actually take their ballot and they hand carry their ballot down to Honolulu Holly or Kapolei and they vote for me just to be straight. <laughs> you want to see change? Then that's how the change happens. I talk to people all the time. Are you voting? Uh, you have to actually enroll them in voting. I said, do you understand that voting is almost unique in the world, that the people have the actual liberty and the res responsibility to put into office those whom are going to govern them? Wow, what an amazing opportunity. And that people don't seize that opportunity, then people then you then you you can't complain you you know you have what you have because your participation is what it is and I, that's poorly said but uh my my hope is that people are listening to your your podcast talk to their friends go to the website get on the zoom call i can tell you or or have a meet and greet they can go on the website and they can have a meet and greet i'm i'm hoping that various industries we're going to be meeting with the general contractors association here soon I am so looking forward to it, to people who actually understand what it means to have a dialogue, a sober conversation about what's really going on and are they willing, are they willing to stand? And this is, the, this is the clarion call. It is the clarion call. How, how, you've been to a lot of different meetings and different debates. How, what is your feeling of of the way people are responding to you after the debates or after the meetings, like wh what is the feeling you're getting and some of the feedback people are telling you after such meetings? You know, George, it is so encouraging. You know, we go to these meet and greets or we go, so a meet and greet is where a, 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 somebody hosts an event and they, they invite their friends and neighbors anywhere from 10 to 50 people. Uh, and, or you go to these uh, candidate debate forums or we don't really have debates. <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know when it's going to take to get a real debate, but you have a candidate forum where everybody gets up and shares their perspective about things. Uh, afterwards, George, the response is twenty to one, thirty to one. They're all in. Yeah. They actually hear somebody who's thoughtfully thinking through what it means to change the face of Hawaii. Not a, not a list of this is what I think, this is what I believe, and carefully crafted messages or no messages at all. Some people don't even share, they have, they, they don't even share, they don't even, some people don't even show up to these candidate debates, right? And, and the fact that they don't show up is a complete dismissal of those whom they hope to govern. And so these conversations that we have, I, I, I don't, I don't have a, I don't use my phone. I don't have a list of cue cards. It's just whatever people say, well, this is what you should share. And I said, well, we'll see, you know, it's like our conversations. I don't, I don't have a, you sent me some notes on, let's talk about this. I, I never prepare, George. Right. We just come in and have a conversation and this is how <laughs> it is. So, uh, and this is how it is at these events, but without exception, uh, at a meet and greet, uh, 20 out of 20. At a debate, uh, I don't know what the ratio is, but I, I, I honestly, without uh, 85, 90% uh, say, yes, I, I get it we're in, we're going to, we're supporting you. Now we know who we're voting for. Now we understand. I never knew that about government. I never knew it was possible. I never had hope before. These are the comments that we hear on, 
every time I speak, and I'm not ringing the bell, I'm just saying, this is the response, this is an answer to your question. People say, I, there is hope, there is hope for Hawaii. We can change Hawaii by working through these departments. We must change the function, the leadership within the departments that create policy for the people. This is the resonating message for people when they realize they will have access to their governments at the policymakers, not at the legislative piece. We've been told for decades now, vote for your senatorial candidate in your district or your representative in your district. They're gonna go and represent you at the state house. They are not, this is not their job. When you, get, when you break through the malaise of how government works, you realize that the legislators collect the resources from the people through taxes and fees and regulations. They consume the wealth of the people. Once they've consumed as much as they can possibly take, which is determined about how much the people are willing to give, then they allocate those funds to the departments. The departments make requests. The governor and his office, they weed through these requests, but they pass them on. They never reduce the request, by the way. It's an automatic given that they get what they had the previous year and they build from there. They never go backwards. They never account for the, what their resources are. They never account for the spending. They just take, take, take. And the legislators bring more laws constraining people's ability to participate in government, to participate in life. This is the process. This is the struggle. We are gonna create access for the people at the department level. This is going to radically change the way government functions because no longer will these departments have carte blanche and do what they want. They'll be actually engaging with the people. Think of it. Right now, can you tell me which department head is, is uh, in the Department of Health who's managing the homeless resources? Of course you cannot. Nobody knows. Why do zoning changes happen? How come people get seawalls? How come roads get paved and others don't? These, these decisions are made by department people, policy makers, uh, utilizing the resources allocated by the legislative branch, implementing policy that determines what happens in your life and in my life, what happens to the drinking water, what happens to the watershed, what happens to, to local industry, to travel, to shipping, to imports, to exports, everything. It's all policy. And people need to know this. And, and, the, and the people who are making policy must respond with common sense policies that account for the monies of the, of the, of the citizens. And uh, it, it's, it's, per, it's, it's, it's profound, but it's not complex. Um, there's a lot of administrative pieces, of course. I'm not saying not complex in the sense that there's not a lot of decisions and data and structure. Of course, that's a part of the deal. But I'm talking about the principles, the principles of government. Yeah. Do you think that they, they purposely, like, this is my thought, and, and tell me if you think this is accurate. I don't, it seems to me that the people in government purposely try to keep us from voting because it cuts into their revenue. It cuts into their profits. Like they, it seems to me, and I don't know if this is true, but it seems that we're being almost put in a state of fear or almost in a position where we're told our vote doesn't count because we would get in the way. The, we don't want to do what the people want to do because that'll cut into our profits. Or they don't, it seems to me, I, don't, I shouldn't say they, it seems to me that there are people in government that see the people as an obstacle to moving their agenda forward. Does that sound somewhat accurate? Well, I, you know, I think it's accurate. I mean, uh, Dennis Prager, whom I love, he said, uh, the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. <laughs> so, 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 if the, I, so if the idea is that the, that the government works for the citizen and there are no citizens telling you how to, how to do, then you get free reign, right? You, yeah. you, he holds you to account. So the less people who are watching, who are participating in government, basically are just getting in line and automatically by tacit consent agreeing with the mm. policy of the government. This is not, not self-government and this is not a republic. Uh, 
we live in a republic, right? So uh, the idea that uh, there's no great push for people's voting, you hear these, I don't actually believe they're true. I think you have policies nationally and you have policies locally that brings additional people into the voting into the voting system with an agenda, similar to what you just mentioned. The vote is a tool for yeah. some. The vote is not about uh, representative, that you would represent the people's wishes. Politicians now see the vote as a way to either maintain power and control, uh, because if the people won't stand, then they'll do whatever they want. The bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. So I think that's the role of people to understand their authority. It's, these are all conversations about authority, by the way. Yeah. About it, right? Authority is given, and authority is exercised. Those who give it, uh, they have their role, and those who exercise it have their role. When those two things are out of balance, you have chaos. You have corruption. Yeah, and it seems it seems in a world where there's all of a sudden all these emergent emergency powers that governors and even the president and Congress and be it state or national, have given themselves this extra authority. Hey, we're in a time of crisis. Now we can do all these things that we couldn't do before. And that, that seems to fit right in with the jumping from crisis to crisis to crisis. If we're always in a crisis, that means that they always have extreme powers, which means we always have a little bit less freedom. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. Uh, you know, I, I've heard uh, these things uh, we just had this shooting in Texas. This is horrific, right? right? Once again, the tragedy of fallen humanity is now a vehicle to push legislative policy. Rather than, a, rather than account, rather than actually embrace the fact that our society has real issues, it has real mental health issues. Right. It has real issues about truancy and kids not going to school. It has real issues about fatherless homes. Yeah. Who's raising these kids, these young people? What is the school system teaching the young people? These society issues are either supported by government or enhanced by government. So the idea that government would somehow use a tragedy that happened in Texas as a political football to deal with second amendment rights. This is everything that's wrong. It's what you just described. It's that government, government uses everything at its, at its, at its disposal to self perpetuate their power and control over the people. We need term limits. We need a governor in the state of Hawaii who has a lot less power. We need a government in Hawaii that has constitutional amendments that makes sure that the attorney general and the sheriff and the ethics department and the board of education are elected by the people. No, no longer should the governor have these kinds of powers, let alone this ability to execute executive orders without restraint. The, 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 these, these powers gone unchecked have brought us to where we are today. And, I, and you would like to think that humanity would be different. It is not. Every human being loves power. Every human being loves accolades. Every human being wants to be seated at the head of the table. Let's just be honest. But in our honesty, let's exercise self-discipline. That's for me. I'm talking to myself. The, the, the way that we see our society crumbling is because of a lack of self-discipline and honor and respect, starting in the family. You, you honestly, George, for me personally, and I appreciate this. If I really want to know what kind of a husband I am, I just have to look at my wife. Is she, is there joy about her? Is there, is there peace about her? Because if there's not, I don't have to make her wrong. I have to look at how I'm sewing. How am I being with her? That's just a microcosm. Out of that relationship, my kids will understand what it means to be a father and a mother and a husband and a wife. These are the things when, when, we, when we talk about right leadership in government, it's not just about making sure that people's taxes 
are appropriately spent. It's about stating from the head that this is the way we should behave as a society. Am I saying I'm going to discern how you should behave? No, I'm just saying that love your neighbor. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Righteousness. Do what's right to your fellow man. Yeah. It's not that complicated, but it goes against the grain of the human of the human dilemma. So this I don't have a lot, you know, I I don't have I have I have actually that's not true. I have a lot to say. I don't know if this is the right platform for it. Yeah. I, I you know. Sometimes I sometimes you know, you're, you're talking, you're preaching too much. Whatever. You know what? I'm not, George. I'm just sharing with you what lives in me. And so if there's some benefit in that, I'm grateful. If people misunderstand what I'm saying, I, I understand that as well. I'm just saying that there's a better way and that we as a society are crumbling and we are being crushed by our government. And our government is not creating space for families to thrive. Moms and dads have to work two jobs. Who's to raise their kids? Who's going to raise their kids? Families go to a restaurant and all four of the family are on their phone at the same time. How are we going to get along? Where is the practice ground? Where can I be wrong and recover? So uh, I, I just hold that out to the people. I say there's a better way. There's a better way that we can live. We need to create government that reduces the burden so that people don't have to work two and a half jobs so that families can stay together and raise their children and have a legacy. And their kids don't, the kids don't did a, get a degree in Hawaii and can't work here. And families have to move to the mainland because they can't afford to pay rent, let alone buy a house. These are policy issues. It's going to take a while to, to have these changes in policies actually change the cost of living in Hawaii. But without hope, people are going to check out, literally, people who love Hawaii, who would never think about leaving Hawaii, are leaving Hawaii. This is bad policy. Yeah, I, I, that was really well said. And I find myself in a lot of people in my circle, I think, find themselves having to choose between, you know, getting up and working 14 hours a day and not seeing your kid and then being at work thinking like, what, what, what am I doing? Like, I'm making just enough money to pay my mortgage, to have a little bit of time with my family. I don't even see them. I don't even see them. My wife's working. I'm working. My kid's going to school. It's like, you have to work this hard just to make ends meet. You know, and it, 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 every year with inflation, with taxes, it's like, Every year, they just take a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I see so many officials that seem to be doing better and better and better. I, what's difficult for me to, to square is that, you know, I agree that power corrupts absolutely. And that the people, once they get in power, you know, they probably start thinking to themselves, the only way I can make this happen is if I force it down their throats. You know, I, I got to think that some of the people in positions of authority think they're doing the right thing. You know, I wonder, and you're out of all the people I've reached out to, Gary, thank you. You're the only person that's willing to talk to me. I've reached out to a lot of other candidates. They won't even yeah, get out of here. We don't want to talk to you. You know, and it's, it's that that makes me think, well, maybe I'm not important enough to talk to them. And that makes me think, you know, once they get in power, do they think they're doing the right thing? Because it's crumbling all around us. How can they, how can they think they're doing the right thing when everything is crashing? I don't get it. Uh, you know, I, I think it has a lot to do with how you understand promise and commitment. How do you measure promise? How do you measure commitment? How do you know whether you kept your promise or not? Because you send forth your word. You're going to do something. You're going to accomplish a task. You're going to make a declaration about what is so. And how do you measure it? You look and you see the tangible results. The physical universe is speaking it's always speaking around us. You're describing it right now. How can you say you're doing good things and you have great intentions when everything you're doing produces, produces dung? This is the distinction. People no longer operate in promise and commitment. They operate in want to, I hope so, I'm sorry. 
I'll try harder. So we, we, so we, we lack distinction. Our words lack power because there's, there's no actual, there's no measuring of it. I can tell you, if I tell my wife I'm going to be home at five and five o'clock's rolling around and, and, and I realize I'm not going to make it at five, I am tripping on the inside. My conscience is going off. My stomach is in knots until I realize quickly renegotiate your promise. Call your wife on the phone and say, I'm trying to get home, honey. I'm going to be late, but it's going to be 515. I know that you're working hard to do what to do what we plan to do together. Will you please, will you please forgive me for not arranging my schedule to be there at five o'clock? This is how simple it is. You reset your promise. It honors the relationship. And it's the same thing in politics or business or school or any aspect of our lives. You just have to look at the physical universe. And if you have a friend, and I have friends like this, I, re I have friends who have come to me and said, Gary, I thought you said you were going to do this. I'm like, ouch. <laughs> Owie. And they're right. Yep. And it hurts. And it's a gift. People don't come on your show, George. You want to know why they don't come on your show? They're afraid they're going to say something they're going to regret. So be it. Yeah. I am going to say things that I'm going to regret. Guaranteed. I guarantee you on this podcast, people are going to be offended. And if, if, if that's so, I hope that they'll reach out and say, you know, what you said bothered me. And I'll at least know that I'm being sifted and I can account for it. And that's how it is. Honoring the relationship. That is, that, that could be the foundation for all human contact. That can make the world so much better. And honoring the relationship, be it politics, be it business, be it your wife, your kid, your friends. Honor the relationship. I mean, that's what it comes down to. If you said you're going to do it, do it. Or call and say why you can't do it. You know, it, it's, it's fascinating to me that we could break it down to fundamentals. And that fundamental is the jump shot that everybody should be working on right there. That's right. <laughs> My friend told me I used to play basketball and I, I was always terrible at it, but I love sports. So whatever, whatever sport was in the season, that's the one that I played. Nice. And he said, he said, yeah, when he was an excellent basketball player, he was amazing. He said, I always start shooting the basket right next to the basket. <laughs> and he would start right there. He would just shoot a one foot jump shot and use the backboard. And then he would move around the basket and work back and forth. Then he would step back three or four feet and go again. This is the, basic building blocks of life. It's simple, George. If we would just operate in this simple thing, let your yes be yes and your no be no, period. Just start right there. Wake up a day and declare today when I say yes, I mean yes, and I will complete what I said yes to. And if you can't do it, you must say no. No is also an appropriate answer. The fear of the man, fear of man is a trap. We want to say yes to everybody knowing darn well Either we really don't want to say yes, or we say yes out of compulsion, the sense, the need to please, when actually maybe, you know, I would love to help you, but no, I cannot help you. I don't have time to do that. I empathize and understand your request and would love to say yes. But honestly, if I say yes to you, I'm going to break my promise and we're going to have less than we had before. How about that conversation? How about we just walk in enough humility to understand our own in inability to complete what we hope for in a day. That sounds self, uh, that sounds terrible. It goes, I don't know, that sounds terrible, Gary. But honestly, it's like, you know, we're gonna be on this call. I have an appointment at 8.30 in my office. I know that it takes 22 minutes to get to my office from my house. That leaves me eight minutes, an eight minute window. That's how life is. I don't know about you, but that's how my life is. My days are planned out literally in minutes. I have minutes to spare. I told my wife this morning, I need a five minute nap before this call at 625. I said, honey, wake me up at 630. I got to get ready to be with George. There it is. You want to know how life is? That's how my life is. <laughs> that sounds crazy. I don't know. I'm, I'm really rambling today. Please forgive me, George. I, I don't know that I... Uh, you may just want to delete this video. <laughs> I don't know. 
are you kidding me? Like some of the, I feel great right now. I, I, I'm thankful for what you said. It's one of the most honest conversations I had. And I think we've, I think that we have really touched on the very foundation of relationships. I think we've touched on the foundation of the relationship between friend and friend, between citizen and politician and wife and husband. And it's these particular conversations that flesh out some of the best knowledge. And I, I'm thankful for it, Gary. I, I really am. I, I think that conversations like this make, make relationships better. And I'm thankful to be here with you. I'm thankful for your time. And I'm thankful for getting to play a small part in moving your campaign forward. I, I care about the people of Hawaii and I care about you and my family. And I share the vision of wanting things to be better by being honest. And even if, you know, sometimes honesty is, is hurtful. Sometimes being honest is painful, but in life, what you give, you get to keep and what you fail to give, you lose forever. And so, you know, I, relationships and honoring relationships, let's, let's leave it with that one right there. Let's, I think that's profound wisdom. Honor the relationships, ladies and gentlemen. And there you go. Where, where, where can people find you? What do you got coming up, Gary? What can people do to, to donate? Where can they find you? What's next on the agenda? You know, uh, thank you, George. And again, thank you for your kind words. You're <laughs> you know, I, well, I appreciate that about you. And, and uh, I really do believe that those intimate conversations, what I mean by intimate is you, you get to see into another person. Into me, you see intimacy, right? That actually creates value. People are often afraid that other others might know. Oh my gosh, you think that way too. <laughs> may, may I just say that everybody thinks the same way? <laughs> that we all struggle with the same basic principles of: Am I good enough? Is it is it acceptable? Yeah. Uh, is there enough to go around? These these are conversations of the, of humanity. I don't. I think you can change the change. Just spin the globe and put your finger down. I think it would be so there as well. Uh, <laughs> But where I'm, what's going on this week? You know, there's a thing uh, at the Veterans Center near the stadium. It's a, it's an event with Seth Keschel. He is he's a uh, election integrity guy. I don't know if you've heard his name before. Seth is spelled S E T H, Kessel, K E, Kessel, K E S E L Kessel Kessel. Anyway, he's a he's a an ex captain in the military, retired. For the last, uh, since 2020, he's gone around the country evaluating election integrity state by state. He, he was here in Hawaii. He's very sophisticated, uh, you know, with data and these kinds of things. Anyway, he's hosting a, an event at the Veterans Center. It's called Election Integrity in Hawaii. I think there's a, there's a fee to get in. The candidates will be there for the most part. I'll be there. Uh, some candidates, BJ won't be there. He doesn't come to events anymore. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I understand that why, but nevertheless, he won't be there. But the candidates are candidate forum, so people can actually come there. They'll hear him talk about election integrity, what that means, how to get involved, try to preserve election integrity in Hawaii. Exceedingly important, uh, you know. Stalin said, "It's not who votes, it's who counts the votes." You know this. I think you said it to me before. So we need election integrity, in particular in Hawaii, since we're since. By the way, if you look at a chart by way of color of what is the most corrupt state in the nation. Hawaii is red, which is at the highest level of corruption, along with most of the coastal states. Uh, so Hawaii is plagued by corruption. So this is an event, you can go online. We have meet and greets. If you go on the line, Gary Cordery for governor.com, uh, go on there. There's an opportunity to look at events upcoming. They're not, it's not a, it's, it's changing daily. Uh, I would suggest that you go to the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, the, the website, all of these are different aspects or elements that people can understand what's going on and how to engage. You can actually, actually go, uh, go on the site and help us raise money. I can tell you that we're heading into the final weeks of the campaign. We've hired another top professional from Colorado to help manage, uh, understand what it means to campaign. Uh, he's laid out a plan, a, a, a plan to actually, uh, articulate our, our policy to people, but it's expensive. Uh, it's far more than we have. So if you have listeners out there, but you know, people out there, whether you know this or not, you can actually make a donation for a gubernatorial candidate, $6,000 per person. That sounds like a lot, but there's people who see this actually what it is. It's an investment. Yeah. You know, you hope we, we make investments all the time, hope for a return. That's why we invest. This is what, this is what a campaign donation is. Those of you who are watching, you are not throwing your money to the wind. 
you're investing in your legacy. This is your life. This is your Katie. This is your Ohana. So run with us. You know, there's a way to donate. So uh, even your program, uh, George, just be on your program is a, is, a, is a great blessing to us, to me as a person, as a human being, as a friend, and as a candidate. It all, it's all, it's all the same. You do not separate these things. Yeah. So. Yeah. This guy, Quiverman. Can, can I introduce you to someone beautiful here? Of this course. is my daughter, Sky. <laughs> How are you? Say hi. Give us for governor here. Pretty impressive. <laughs> right? Pretty impressive. I love you, lady. Okay, give me a few minutes, okay? Love you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Gary. You All know right. what? Thank you so much for everything. And um, I, I will touch base with you soon. Thank you for spending time with me and and doing everything you're doing. You're making some great sacrifices. And I hope that you truly see the change that you're making. You are making change. You're making things better. And it's a huge compliment. And it's a huge, for me, it's almost like a mentor program to talk to you once a week. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, George, you're so kind. I, uh, grateful. I look forward to talking to you next week. And for your, mm-hmm. uh, for those who are watching the podcast, Aloha. Nice. May, may God's grace be on you, George, and your listeners. That's my mm-hmm. hope that you would know his love and his grace this day. Aloha. All right, Gary. Thank you. Thank right. you. Aloha. Yeah. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. Think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.